All right. Um, welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. Um, this is going to be the second time I'm going live. I got a new guest, um, somebody that, again, I, I don't know. Um, someone, I got a, an email um, from somebody about my podcast saying that they would love to come on the show and talk about what they do. Um, and then they, she put me in contact with Tom. Um, so today I have Tom from Freedom Alliance with us. Um, honestly, I spoke to him for like five minutes before this episode. So everything you guys are going to hear is straight from him. Um, and it's right as, as I'm learning about it too. Um, and that's how I love to keep these episodes. So, um, without further ado, Tom, welcome. Welcome to Semper Sometimes. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, can you just kind of tell us a little, give us a background on who Tom is, um, and then we'll get into who, you know, what the mission of Freedom Alliance does. Sure. Hey, Benny, it's great to be on the program. Thank you. And uh, yeah, Tom is uh, Tom Kilgannon. Uh, I'm the president of Freedom Alliance. We're a charitable organization helping military families. Uh, I did not serve myself. I'm a civilian. Uh, but uh, I throughout my career, I've, I've always admired those who have served, not just in the military, but in uh, in different capacities, you know, police and firefighters and nurses and teachers and, and those who work to help the community and make our country better and stronger. So, uh, you know, that's what inspires me, the everyday heroes of our country. And I think there are a lot of them. You just got to look around and see uh, people who are rolling up their sleeves and, and doing their part uh, to make our, our country better. So uh, that's, that's a little bit what I'm about and, uh, and the work of Freedom Alliance. So as I said, we're a, a military support organization and we're helping military families and combat veterans. We do that in a variety of ways. And, and one of the ways is through our scholarship program. Uh, you know, we give college scholarships to kids whose parents were killed or disabled in military service. Uh, this year alone, we have 600 students who are on scholarship with us. And we've given out uh, nearly two and a half million dollars uh, wow. just this year alone. So, uh, you know, the reason for that is obvious, Benny. As you know, you got kids and the, the cost of, an, of a college education keeps rising each year. And it's and it's difficult to meet uh, so that that, um, you know, the financial assistance is is obvious. Uh, but the more important part in many respects is the symbolism behind that assistance. And it, it, each scholarship says to that kid, your parents' service uh, will never be forgotten by a grateful nation. It's always going to be remembered. And you're receiving this scholarship because your parents served and sacrificed. And we want to remember that through you and by helping you achieve the dreams that your parent had for you. So that's just one of the ways. And uh, it's just an honor to be able to work with these kids. That's so awesome. So how did, um, so how did Freedom Alliance start? Where did it, like, how did the idea come about? Like, and how, also how long has it been around? Yeah, Freedom Alliance is 30 years old. And oh, wow. it came around, uh, it was founded at the time of the first Gulf War. So at that time, uh, you know, there were big care package drives and the scholarship program, which I just referenced actually was, was f uh, formed at that time. Um, and it was, it was founded and then uh, I came in in 1998 so just before the, the attacks of 9-11, and it was attacks of 9-11 that really um, brought the organization into more prominence. And uh, we just kind of took off from there. And at that time, we saw that obviously what happened on September 11th and that the, the country was going to respond and we responded right away. And then we, uh, you know, we got to a point where uh, we were just 
sending phone cards and sending care packages and socks and then things like that. But then we always do after action and look and see, uh, you know, how effective that is. And the needs began to change and we uh, adapted with the needs of the service members in the field. Once our wounded started coming back, we adapted there and started working through the hospitals and the rehab centers. And now we've got just a variety of programs, that scholarship being one. But we're also working with combat veterans who are suffering the emotional injuries that uh, are associated with combat. You know, the, the afflictions of the heart and the soul and, and how it impacts the mind and the memory. And uh, we get vets out on hunting and fishing trips and, and just help them to be with one another and, and form peer network and support networks amongst uh, each other. Wow. So how, does, so how does all that work? Where does the, in order for you guys to do that, where does the money come from? Is it donations? Is it, like, how, do, how is all that funded? Like, how do you guys get the money for the scholarships? How do you get the money to do these trips? It's all private donations. It's all through, like, people who are, uh, you know, watching this program right now. Uh, the generosity of the American public. And they never fail us. You know, if you've got a good mission and a good cause uh, and, you, uh, and you do it right, the American public are always going to come through. So we're funded entirely by individual Americans, uh, some foundations, some corporate support. We've got some wonderful corporate partners uh, who help us, but there's there's no government funding. Uh, we do it through working with uh, people who have started businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, people who've been successful in their lives uh, and who just want to give back. And, uh, and that's what we do. Wow. That's so awesome. Um, so what are some of the things, I know you kind of talked about it already, um, but you said you just got back from traveling, you've been on the road. Um, so what was going on? Like, what were you, what is your day-to-day -day like? Um, and and what, it, what were you doing that you were so busy for the past couple of days traveling? Yeah, it's been a, been a busy uh, week, week and a half for me. So I, uh, we started out, we have a, a big event uh, at the Army-Navy game each year. So uh, that's one of the, you know, you ask uh, how, how we're funded. We've got generous supporters and uh, we have a, uh, we have an event for them each year around the Army-Navy game. So we're up in uh, New Jersey at MetLife Stadium uh, watching Navy beat Army. And uh, it was, it was a great time. So there were several days there. And then from there, went out to the Midwest and uh, was in Minneapolis and Wisconsin. And, uh, and I mentioned our corporate partners. So we have U.S. Bank is one of our corporate partners and uh, together we gave a new vehicle to a wounded service member um, who had served sacrificed, came home and is struggling with those injuries now so he and his family now have uh, a new vehicle and uh, from there we went down to uh, texas we're in san antonio and did the same thing freedom alliance and u.s bank gave a, gave a vehicle to uh, another service member who was really at the um, at the the start of the war of Iraq. He uh, deployed to Kuwait, pushed into Iraq, and uh, and was wounded, was badly burned, and found himself at uh, the burn center in Brook Army Medical Center. Um, so, you know, all these years later, uh, he needed a vehicle. We were able to provide that. And another service member who uh, is a recent amputee uh, went through eight years of limb salvage, trying to save a leg that was badly injured. Uh, but earlier this year had to succumb to an amputation. And so we gave him one of these all-terrain wheelchairs. It's one of these wheelchairs that it looks like a tank 
and it's able to go through the mud, the sand on the beach, uh, through the forest, uh, you name it, it can go over any kind of terrain safely. And, uh, and so he's got a, you know, a ranch in Texas and needs to do his chores out there. And this, this kind of chair is going to help him to be able to do that. So that, you know, Benny, as you know, we're, these gifts that we gave this week uh, all help uh, with mobility and the independence of getting around. You know, we're guys. We don't like asking for help. And yeah. so these kinds of um, these vehicles and this altering wheelchair, we do a lot of those kinds of gifts uh, with our partners. And uh, it really helps not just the practical part of getting around, but it eases the stress of, you know, people who are independent minded, who uh, don't like to ask for help, who like to get around by themselves and still contribute. And uh, it's, it just really gives you a warm feeling to be able to help them in that way. That's awesome. So what are some of the experience? So you've been doing this, you said since 1998, right? That's correct. Yeah. So what are some of the, do you have some like awesome experiences, some awesome stories to share with us about some people that you've been able to help along the way or like certain ones that like you kind of think back to and you're like, wow, like that changed my life or people that you've met along the way. You know, there's uh yeah, there, there have been a lot. And, uh, um, I think one of the, one of the stories I, I mentioned, uh, we had this service member who, uh, was badly burned and ended up at uh, Brook Army Medical Center. For those who, uh, who may not know, the, the finest burn center in the world is located in San Antonio, Texas at Brook Army Medical Center. And they do extraordinary work. And I, I, over the years, I've had the honor of visiting some of our troops in that, that place. And it's, uh, you know, it's very difficult because those are horrific injuries. Um, yeah. But the, the courage that you see in, in those places is is phenomenal. So there was um, there was one time I was going through there and we went in and they were taking us around and, and, and visiting a few different patients. If you've if you've made these kinds of visits, you know, um, when you go in, you have to you have to put on the robe and the gloves and the masks and everything because burn victims are exposed. So you, you can't spread germs and all, and all of that. And so we do that before we go in. And then when the, the thing that strikes you when, you when you walk into one of these rooms is the temperature. It's much warmer. It's even hot in these rooms because again, you're exposed. And, uh, and even at those temperatures, uh, these patients have, are, are covered with blankets and, and that thing to the extent that they're able to be. Um, and you don't stay for very long. Our visits lasted literally about two, maybe three minutes because there, it just, it provides a lot of um, stress uh, mm. and it stresses the body, although they do want the, the visits. So you go in, you make a very short visit and, and you come back out. So one of these times we went in and, uh, and visited somebody and he was laying in the bed and it was a, it was a brief conversation uh, but they always say something along the lines of, you know, I, I would do it again. It was it was my privilege, my honor to serve my country. And it's that kind of a message that that you take away from it. And at this particular service member's side uh, was a young lady and, um, and and she was sitting there. And, and unfortunately, you don't get to know them all that well because it's such, such a short visit. 
But as we went out back into the hallway and we started to take off our hats and gloves and gowns and all of that, in order to discard all of that, those, um, that attire, I had to pull the door, you know, away from the wall out into the hallway. And on the back side of the door that I could not see before going into the room was a single piece of um, construction paper and a balloon. And on the construction paper, it said, just married. And I did not know that going into the room. But what it made me think of is not just the courage of the service member who's wounded and laying in the bed, but the courage of the girlfriend, the spouse, the wife, uh, the parents who have spent so much time in the hospitals caring for their loved ones, the enormous sacrifice that families have paid. Um, and, and we've seen it so many times where parents had to quit their jobs, uh, wives had to uh, leave their jobs in order to be a full-time caregiver for service members. And those are the kinds of stories that really resonate, resonate with me so many years later. Wow. That's so now how do, you know, like when it comes to these people that you guys give the, the scholarships to, or the combat veterans to the, you know, the, the trips and stuff, um, what's their take on it? Like how did the, when you sit down and talk with them and you say, Hey, we've decided that we want to sponsor you, or we want to give this to you. Like, what is it an overwhelming, like, thank you to you? Like, how does, how does that part feel? It, it, it feels wonderful. And yes, uh, generally speaking, it, there's tremendous gratitude, appreciation. Uh, you know, these are folks that they don't want a whole lot. Uh, they don't want medals and they don't want money. They just want a little bit of recognition for what they've been through and what they've sacrificed and want the country to appreciate it. And um, but we have formed tremendous friendships uh, through these these people that we've been able to help. And yeah. And they've helped us, too, uh, because it, it from them, we discover a, a new appreciation for America and those who make our freedoms uh, possible and who protect them and who show us what service is all about and do so with a, a kind of character and integrity um, that isn't seen in, in everybody. And so, um, you know, we involve the, some of our supporters and our staff and uh, just make sure that as many people as possible get to hear these stories, meet these people, so that uh, we can understand what they have done to further the cause of American freedom. And their stories, I think, need to be written into the history books. Their communities need to know that, um, that they have heroes living among them. And that's part yeah. of what we do. Uh, so, yeah, when, when you give out a scholarship, these kids are uh, very happy to receive the scholarship because in, in some cases it's the deciding factor to whether or not they'll be able to afford to go to school. But in other cases, they just really appreciate the fact that their father or their mother's service has been remembered and that yeah. somebody did something about it. Wow. So now how does it, how does it work as far as the scholarship? Like how does, how does somebody apply for it? Um, how does somebody get in touch with you guys um, for all of the different services that you guys offer? How does someone, you know, like if I'm a combat veteran and I'm, I'm looking to get help, how do I um, get in touch with Freedom Alliance um, to go about something like this? 
Yeah, the best way is through our website, Benny. It's uh, freedomalliance.org. And through okay. there, uh, people who want to support us can make a donation. And people who might need our assistance are able to find an application on there where they can uh, you know, tell us a little bit about themselves, what they've been through, and what kind of, of assistance they need. It's a universal application in which uh, we have on there you know, all of the different programs that, that we provide. And so we'll try to match them up as best as possible. Uh, with what they need. Sometimes uh, we're, we don't always have available uh, a vehicle or, or uh, a customized wheelchair, uh, but we will do our best to get it to them in, in the months uh, ahead. And, um, and, and that's kind of how we work. You know, sometimes folks will put down, hey, I need a, I need a vehicle, um, but if one's not available, maybe there's something, some other kind of support we can get them in the interim and then work toward that. And, uh, and so freedomalliance.org is the best way to get, um, is to, you know, provide uh, that, that kind of assistance. Uh, but we also, we're on Facebook and Twitter and, and uh, people can follow us on a, on a more daily basis uh, through those uh, social media platforms. Awesome. Um, so what are some of the things that you guys have planned for the new year? Um, any, anything going on, any, any events going on, any, Anything you guys have planned for the the next year coming up? Yeah, we'll have um, we'll have a number of events and a number of activities. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing you know what we normally do, giving away scholarships, helping combat veterans. Uh, one of the one of the events that we have that we really enjoy is, you know, I'm located in the um, in the area of our nation's capital, and so with our scholarship students, we have retreats and we have one in this area. Uh, this is where we bring them together so that they can get to know one another and uh, make friends with one another, form accountability groups and, and help each other through those difficult days. Because even when you uh, have had a parent who lost their life many years ago, it still hurts. There's still uh, pain that exists. And so we yeah. bring them together and, and, uh, and get to know them and, and befriend them and be mentors in their lives. Uh, and, and so we like to do that. So we'll have one of those. We'll have, uh, others of those kinds of retreats around the country. Um, we do a, a great program with uh, our friends at War Heroes on Water, which is a, which is a fishing trip out on the West Coast uh, in Southern California, where we bring together uh, the whole fishing, you know, deep sea fishing community, sports fishing community. And we get 100 veterans out there for three, four days of sport fishing. So we have uh, a tremendous support uh, from boat owners who donate their boats and their crews and, and everything that's needed to make this a first-class experience. And, uh, and so War Heroes on Water and Freedom Alliance are doing that. We'll go to the Army-Navy game again. Uh, and we've got dozens and dozens of hunting trips and fishing trips all across the country. Uh, we do one in Alaska. We do one on, in Oregon on the beautiful Rogue River out there. It's one of the most scenic places in the country. And these, Benny, these are our trips are designed to help combat veterans relax, to help them uh, talk about their injuries, uh, to help them rehabilitate to the fullest extent possible. And this is where we get to know them and, and support them uh, because really it is so many of them are carrying these moral injuries or emotional injuries uh, where they have seen the kinds of things in combat that nobody should have to see. They've seen yeah. women used as, um, 
wearing dynamite vests and, and children being abused and beheadings and um, human beings on fire and, and things of that nature. And as you know, when you see that, you can't just unsee it. You can't just yeah. put that out of your memory. That lives with you for a long, long time. And this is, and how does that, what does that mean? Well, for, yeah. for so many veterans, it means sleepless nights and it might mean fits of rage. It might mean not being able to keep your attention span as long as you used to. So that impacts your work and your relationships and, and things like that. And so it goes a lot deeper than, um, you know, the surface might indicate. And, and you just got to keep working through it, identifying uh, what the issues are for each particular veteran and, mm -hmm. and helping them through it. Yeah. Wow. Um, one of the other questions that I want to ask you is, you know, you've been doing this since 1998. So that's over 20 years now, right? What, how did you find yourself in, you know, in the job field and especially with not having been a veteran, why, why do you find yourself doing this for the community? Like what, is it something that was laid on your heart? Is it, like what how did that come about because it's 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 awesome to me when i meet people like yourself and you know the first question i often ask like i asked you is oh well, when you know when did you serve in what branch and you're like oh no i'm I'm a, I'm a civilian um and there was a woman that i had done she lives out in vegas i had done an episode with her debbie uh debbie and her her too her and her husband never served in the military um, and they started a, um, a nonprofit um, for veterans. Um, I think it's, I believe it was called 22 until none. Um, and they, you know, they literally were just like, we just saw all the suicides that were happening around us in our community. Um, and we wanted to help. Um, so like my question to you is without having been a veteran, what, why, like, how did it get placed onto your heart? And then why continue after 20 years by this point like what's the you know why what's in it for you like why have you been doing that uh i uh you know i i guess i'd say very simply it's inspiring um you know working with uh working with military families and and veterans uh they inspire me they motivate me uh you all are you you're a unique breed <laughs> and you, you love our country and you've served it and, and you've made sacrifices. And uh, I, I think it's, it's noble. And, uh, you know, I guess in, I guess in some respects, I wish that uh, I had done it. You know, when I was uh, in my twenties um, for me, military service was sort of just, um, it was out of sight, out of mind. I didn't have, you know, my, my parents came to this country from Ireland. And so they did not serve uh, in the military in Ireland. They didn't do it here. And I really didn't have examples around me uh, to say, you know, you should do it or you should join up or there, there wasn't that long lineage, that family history as there is in so many American families of military service. So it, it was, um, it, it just wasn't, something that I, I gave a whole lot of thought to. Maybe I should have, maybe I should have uh, done it differently. But when I, um, you know, when 9-11 when happened, 
uh, we wanted to make a difference. And so uh, the organization that I was with had a history of, of doing that kind of thing. And, and we jumped in with, with both feet and just made it all happen uh, and, and did it in a way that uh, it was just, we're really proud of, uh, of what we were able to do and, and how we did it. So uh, I'm inspired every day by uh, the, the accomplishments we have, the impact that we're able to have, the families that we help. And I just, I, I remain inspired even after 20 years. I'm sorry about that. I don't know what happened. It's called a, a technical glitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, so back to what I was asking you, um, with everything going on, like what what led you to being a part of the program? And I know you you were saying that just, giving thanks to us um because we're a rare breed um and for what we do um but what what put that on your heart like how did you find yourself you know take us back to 1998 how did you find yourself you know a part of the program and how did that all happen well at that time i was working on capitol hill i was working for a member of congress and um and i got a call and uh, somebody asked me to uh, consider a position that was open here at Freedom Alliance, and um, and I did. Came over, talked about it, and uh, it was something that was, it, you know, it was kind of work that was a little bit different for me. But it, in in this position as the CEO, you have to do a little bit of everything. So you have to do a little bit of the fundraising, and uh, the recruitment, and the HR, and the management of the team, and uh, and and of course the, uh, the programs, and um, and so I had done a lot of that in my career, but not uh, th that was my first opportunity to be responsible for all of it at one time. And so for me, it was, uh, I think it was a professional challenge and an opportunity and I grabbed it and I'm glad I did because I, uh, I think we've done good work here, you know, over 20 years since 9-11, we've given out over $20 million in scholarships. Uh, wow. The kids whose parents were killed or disabled. We've helped thousands of, uh, of combat veterans. We've sent hundreds of thousands of care packages to troops overseas. Uh, I, I can tell you, Benny, with um, in all sincerity, there are young men alive today because of the intervention of our, our team here at Freedom Alliance. And there are marriages that are intact because of uh, the work that our team has done. And so I'm enormously proud of that. Um, and I think Freedom Alliance, along with many other great uh, military support organizations, we've made a real difference since the days of Vietnam. And uh, when I was out on the road earlier this week, I ran into a Vietnam veteran uh, who was at one of our events and just uh, thanked me profusely for the work that we're doing because they did not have it. And so along with all these other great organizations, I think we have changed the course of American history in a way that we, uh, we honor our veterans now, we help them, we're giving them the support that uh, Vietnam veterans never had. We've still yeah. got a long way to go. There's still a yeah. lot of work to do, but um, we've made enormous progress. That's so awesome. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I started my podcast um, was to have people like you on here um, to talk about the different 
you know, because they're talking about the different opportunities that there are out there. Um, because a lot of people, you know, still have this negative connotation towards the military and, and to its veterans, you know, a lot and a lot of people, you know, believe that veterans don't get help and that, you know, there's all these problems with the VA and that there's all these problems with all this stuff and that no one cares about the veteran. But the reality of it is, is that compared to what it was like in Vietnam, like you're stating, you know, it's very different. You know, a lot of companies are, are veteran friendly. Um, a lot of people have created nonprofits. A lot of people have created these opportunities for us. Um, and it's because of people like you, you know, and veterans that have gotten out that we have these things. Um, and it's just an awesome thing to be a part of because like, I, I, I can't imagine what it felt like, you know, coming home after having been drafted um, you know, and then to be treated the way that they were. Um, and especially because like you see them and now, you know, you still see them walking around with their, you know, um, you know, proud veteran hats, you know, or army veteran or Marine Corps veteran. And they're, when they're, they wear the, they still wear it with such pride, even though when they came home, you know, they were, you know, just treated like crap. Um, and it's just awesome to see the difference because when I came home, like, you know, I was welcomed with open arms, you know, people still to say thank you for the, my service every single time, even if I'm just wearing a t-shirt and I have a beard, people are like, hey, man, thank you for your service. Yeah. You know, like this morning, I bought someone breakfast when I went to go pick up my breakfast. I saw someone with an army, uh, army shirt and hat on. So I was like, you know what, I'll just buy him breakfast. Didn't tell him, just walked out and left. Um, but it's just awesome to see, you know, the differences in history. And to see you guys creating history and being able to be a part of that, yeah. Um, you know, I, it's I, just I, what what I would uh, want your your viewers to take away from this uh, is there the the need is still there, and it's yeah. it's easy for people to at this point in time after twenty years, so much of the public is is tired of war and and tired of you know all, all that goes with it. But the need is still there, even though we can't see it. You know, the president of well, the United States uh, just a few weeks ago said these wars are over. And, and to a certain extent, that is true. But if you have fought in these wars, if you have sacrificed, if you've lost a loved one, it's not over. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination. Now, yeah, what people need to understand is that there are veterans are carrying invisible injuries. I think one of the injustices of what has happened over the, these 20 years is that early on, much of the um, public understanding or the advertising on TV uh, really focused on those with visible injuries, lost limbs and burns. And yeah. those are horrific injuries. But there are so many other veterans who are carrying you know, internal injuries and emotional injuries that are just as debilitating uh, in some cases, even more debilitating. And, and they're going to have those for the rest of their lives. And we have to, our job as a nonprofit community and as a military support community throughout the country is not over. We've got a long way to go. We've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. And it's, and I definitely agree with what you're saying because a lot of, a lot of people who have those internal wounds don't want to talk about them. Um, and, and sometimes it takes, you know, 10 years after service for you to realize things, 
You know, like I have a lot of friends of mine who've been out forever who still haven't sought help or who still haven't gone to VA claims. And, and it's because they feel like they're, you know, oh, if I go and get this help, I'm less of a man or stuff like that. Um, so exactly what you're talking about is, is the truth is, um, you know, yeah, maybe we're not, you know, maybe this is a peacetime America, you know, and nothing's going on overseas, but the war at home is still very alive. Um, and also it's something to think about as well is that like, you still have people actively serving in the military. So just because they're not actively at war doesn't mean that you don't have people that are on six months, you know, humanitarian missions away from their family. You know, you're still going to have a divorce rate. You're still going to have, you know, all of those things that come with the military because all of that training still has to take place. Um, and what does that mean? That means that they're going to have to be away from their family. Um, children are going to grow up with their, with their families, not at there as much. Um, so there's still a lot of work to be done. And unfortunately, you know, the biggest thing right now is that the war overseas is, isn't here, but now it's here at home. And now it's the suicide rate, um, that we need to deal with. And it's the people that again, haven't sought the help. So we need to ensure that us as veterans and as a community like yourself we have to make sure that they know that we're here for them and that we have opportunities like yourself you know for them to get an education or for them to not feel like they're alone or you know like you said you you have these peer groups um so that's you know in these retreats um so that's another you know thing another avenue um and that's why i wanted to have you on here because a lot of people don't understand the avenues that are available to them. They don't understand what's available to them. Um, and unfortunately, they don't want to go out and get the help sometimes. Um, but it's good to know that there's people like you and like your 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 community out there. Well, thanks. And and I just want to pick up on something you said, Benny, and, and help the public understand that. You said uh, a minute ago that for many veterans, it's 10 years later when they start realizing they're experiencing these, these emotional injuries. Yeah. Um, and, and so there is a time in our country and it still exists today when, you know, the average American might say, ah, give me a break, you know, 10 years, what's going on here? What's it, you know, how does it take 10 years before you realize you got a problem? Well, here's, here's what happens. And, and I want to explain this timeline so that the average person um, can get a sense of why it takes that long. If you are somebody, if you're a soldier or Marine who, who fought uh, over there and you come back with gunshot wounds, maybe you lost a leg, uh, maybe you had a traumatic brain injury. What happens is you're taken from the battlefield to the hospital. And, and so you're, now you're going to spend at least a year, maybe upwards of three years in the hospital itself. You're going to have dozens of surgeries. You're going to go through all kinds of procedures and you're just going to, and so everything you have, all your, uh, all your physical energy, your emotional energy, everything is dedicated to staying alive. Then you're going to, uh, you're going to move to the rehab center and you're going to spend another two to four years in active daily rehabilitation. You're going to learn how, if, if you lost a leg, you're going to learn uh, how to walk again, how to be fitted for a prosthetic, how to use it, um, how, to, how to run, how to jump, how to keep your balance, all of those things. Uh, if you've got a brain injury, 
you're going to work on your motor skills, how to button your shirt, how to use a fork and a knife, you know, things like that, that we take for granted. And so all of your energy, all of everything you've got is dedicated to just learning those skills again, that you learned as a two or a three-year-old. And, yeah. and so now you're, you're, you know, five to seven years removed. And when you get to a point where, okay, maybe I can, now I can go and, and try and find a job or go get back to work. Um, if you're if you're fortunate enough to be able to do that, you're going to go into an office and you're going to deal with all kinds of people uh, that are very different from those that you served with. And then now you're going to um, you're going to deal with all the all the uh, issues that go along with uh, just a regular person getting a new job and, and trying to be able to do it while dealing with all these injuries. And you might face some challenges that lead to uh, drinking or uh, partying or, or vices that uh, many veterans turn to in order to get through those difficult times. And so now you're 8, 10, 12 years removed from, your act, from the date of your injury, and it all starts coming to a head. And you realize, man, this isn't the way I want to live, and I need help. And, and then you start looking for help. So it is a very long process. And then from that day, when you say, I need help, it might take years um, to find the right kind of help. You know, yeah. we, we talked about the VA. Uh, the VA has its problems, but we've got to understand what the VA is and what it's capable of doing. The VA is an enormous bureaucracy. It's an assembly line. You're going to go in there for certain kinds of uh, medications and procedures and, and uh, referrals and things like that. But when you're talking about very personal, emotional injuries um, that, that have scarred your heart, that make you question your relationship with God, that uh, have impacted your marriage, that have impacted your relationships with kids, the veterans that we meet and they, we work with, they say, I'm not talking to the VA about that stuff. It's not, they want to talk to people who care. They want to talk one-on-one -on -one yeah. or in small groups. And that's yeah. where organizations like Freedom Alliance come in and the nonprofit. Well, we can yeah. fill the void that the VA is just not able to help with. Yeah. And a, and a huge part of it too is, um, like you said, it's like the small groups help. And also a, a lot of it too is like, I'll be honest, like I went, um, when I got home from Afghanistan, I went to the VA in Orange um, and I did like three or four sessions of counseling and it did absolutely nothing for me. It just got me more frustrated. Um, and my wife even noticed that she was like, when you leave these meetings, you're more mad at, at, at than you did when you walked in. Um, and for me, it was just because like, number one, the guy that I was talking to his, had never served. So for me, it was kind of like, it didn't help me at all. Um, and it was also like, it wasn't like a genuine thing. It was more so like it's his job. Um, and then just the way that he went about it. Um, and I know like my uncle, my uncle's, you know, an older gentleman. I'm not sure how old he is to be quite honest. Um, my dad's 60, but I believe he's younger than my dad. So he's definitely in his late fifties. Um, and he, he served in the army and, you know, he suffers with alcoholism. Um, and he won't talk to anybody like my uh, he 
No one in the family knows anything about his service. He'll tell like one or two stories. It's the same story over and over again. Um, and that's it. That's all you know of his service. You don't know anything else about his time in the army, about his time on deployments. Um, and he's, you know, I, I've never met the man not, not inebriated. Um, you know, and, and for them, it's like, yeah, they have the VA, they have these things, but for some people, they don't feel welcomed at the VA and, or they don't, they just don't want to go, um, because maybe they can relate to somebody who has been overseas, or maybe they want to talk to somebody who kind of knows what they're going through type thing. Yeah. I think if, you know, if we had had the, the kind of, um, robust nonprofit community and, and activities, uh, during the Vietnam era that we have today, uh, many, many, many more Vietnam veterans would be in a better place. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have that. We can't go back and fix it, but we can make today better. And, and that's why I was saying I'm so I'm really proud of the, uh, the impact that we have had uh, on, on the issue of uh, veteran care from the nonprofit community. And it's things like, uh, you know, that, that only we can do. Because, as you said, the, these guys aren't going to go uh, talk to a stranger at the VA, and, and usually it's, it's worse. Uh, they need to be around others that they can relate to. And so we form you know, these small groups and often try to get in you know, some, um, some who are newer to their struggles and some who have overcome or their struggles so that the older guys the, uh, can say to the younger guys, you know, hey, you're full of crap, and you, know, you do need help, and you do need uh, this kind of help, and I've been there, and I've done that, um, but it's it's the kind of thing uh, the younger veterans are only going to respond to uh, from one of their peers who has already been through it. You know, as a civilian, yeah. I can help, but only to a certain point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you need others who have been there, done that, so we create those, those kinds of uh, environments, and it works really, really well. Wow. Um, I just, uh, I, I just want to thank you, um, so much, Tom, for, for everything that you're saying, um, again, and thank you for the investment that you've made into our lives. Cause that's really what it is. Um, you know, investing into the youth, um, you know, investing into people's children who are no longer here to see it. Um, you know, and I think that's a lot of it too, that a lot of veterans fear, um, or family's fear is that like, okay, well, you know, the breadwinner or the husband or the wife, they're gone. Now what happens to the kids? And you guys are doing great things um, to help them. And it's just so beautiful to see that. Um, and it, and it's awesome to know that, you know, and a lot of people have, you know, issues with social media and stuff. And it's like, bro, if we use it the right way, so many great things can come of it. Um, and it's awesome to, sh- you know, to share with you these stories. And I really, you know, I'm, I'm just, again, I'm, I'm glad to have met you. Um, I'm glad that I got the email. I'm glad that I had you on here. Um, before we, before we end this, um, is there anything you want to leave us with anything on your heart, anything, um, any kind of recommendations that you have for anybody who may be, you know, either suffering loss, um, from a parent who recently passed away or from a combat veteran who maybe is going through something, is there anything that you want to share with us? Well, I think, uh, you know, the one thing that, that I'd like to share is uh, really a question for you, Benny, because you said uh, that you had served in Afghanistan. And so in my experience, uh, you know, the, the way that 
the United States picked up and, and left Afghanistan at the end of August of 2021 really caused a lot of veterans um, anxiety uh, and, and a range of emotions. And uh, I, I guess I would ask you, uh, did that impact you? And, and that might help the audience understand uh, just what that has done to many veterans and why they need the help that they do. Yeah. Um, so thank you for asking that question. Um, no one's really asked me that question. Um, you know, it's, I felt a certain type of way. Um, I felt that it was an abrupt thing. You know, it was something that we talked about doing and then all of a sudden, boom, it just kind of happened. Um, I, I think that, you know, the lack of accountability was an issue and that's what more. So a lot of people that I've talked to, um, I have a lot of friends. I remember right when, when it had happened, I had gone to a wedding like two days prior. Um, I'd gone to a wedding and I was the three people that I was at the wedding with were OEF veterans as well. And I deployed with them and they, they had gotten inebriated um, and they had gotten really mad about it. And they were like, they were yelling about it. They were like, I, we went there for no effing reason. And they just started getting like really up about it and upset about it. And I was like, listen, man, like, in my opinion, we did what we were supposed to do. You know, we did what we signed up to do. You know, we, we did help people there. Um, you know, the local populace wanted us there. You know, the children, the families that we've met, the lives that we've changed. Um, so I think that it's just that people feel that, you know, lives were lost. Some people feel that lives were lost for no reason. Or, you know, like we have great friends of ours, like not me personally, but like my buddy Scott. My buddy Scott lost like three friends KIA in Afghanistan. And, you know, he mentions like, why did they die? You know, um, and again, those people, they went over there for their own reasons. They joined the Marine Corps for their own reasons. Nobody made you join the Marine Corps or the Army or whatever branch. So the reality is, in my opinion, um, is that we went over there and we did what we were supposed to do. And I, I think that, again, I believe that it was going to happen at some point, you know, if you didn't, you know, were naive. But I think it's just the way in which it happened that everybody was upset about it. Um, is that you could have, like for you to pull out of a country and not leave anything behind and not leave, you know, you know, a base behind for us to do things like it's kind of like, and I'm not gonna lie, I don't, I never really dive too deep into it. So I don't want to misstate any kind of facts. Um, but I think more so, it's just that it was an abrupt thing that happened. And then, you know, for them to say that they got everybody out is a lie, because I don't know if you've heard of um, Save Our Allies, but there's a nonprofit called Save Our Allies ran by Chad Robichaux and Tim Kennedy. And they've gotten out, you know, thousands of people. And they just recently went back in to save 54 more Americans. So and we're now in almost January. But we were told everybody that there was no Americans left. You know, so it's kind of crazy, um, you know, so it's like, which one, you know, which one is it? Um, you know, and I, I think it's just like myself, um, you know, I look back at, I look back at my time in Afghanistan and for me, it's crazy to think that it was almost 12 years ago. Um, you know, almost 12 years ago, I was in Afghanistan 
Um, but I'll never regret it because it changed my life. You know, I wouldn't be the man I am. I wouldn't be the husband I am or the father I am because it really, it kind of sets you straight. It kind of reminds you about what your life is worth. It kind of reminds you of where you are in life. It shows you what other people go through. And realistically, if, if America, if, if America saw what those, if you lived in Afghanistan, Iraq, or one of those countries for a day, you would very quickly stop talking the way you do about America. Um, you know, and, and I, so me, myself, I'll never be upset that I went over there. Uh, I, I don't believe it was in vain. Um, you know, and, but at the same time, like we kind of got to realize too, that like, there's always an agenda, you know, no matter what we think or believe, there's always a reason why we're there. And, and maybe we, we are, maybe our mission as people wasn't the same mission as those that sent us there. But at the end of the day, if you deep down in your heart went and joined the military for a specific reason, and that was one of those reasons, then I think you did what you needed to do. Um, and the reality of it is, is that there's nothing we can do about it. You know, those people have been lost. Um, those people have gone. And the only thing that we can do is remember them um, and continue to fight our own wars that are here in America. Um, so I think that's really would be my answer um, is we just got to, and that's why I started the podcast. That's why I have people like you. That's why I have conversations like this um, because we feel so alone, but yet there's just so much we can do to not feel alone. Um, and unfortunately, you know, with loss brings people together, um, you know, and, and with these things, like, you know, unfortunately, like you said, like, you know, 9-11, you guys had Freedom Alliance already, but 9-11 kind of pushed you forward to even doing more things. So realistically, a disaster created, you know, a furtherance of the need for Freedom Alliance. So, you know, that's the, the upsetting part, but it's the truth of the matter. Um, and it brings people like us together um, for the greater good. Um, so I don't, I don't regret have being, have, having been in Afghanistan. Um, I thank God for the ability to, cause it made me, brought me back closer to him. It brought me, um, you know, definitely taught me a lot about my life, myself and the people that I love. Um, and, you know, I think that if you are a, a veteran of any of those wars, um, just remember that you did what you sought out to do. Um, and if, you know, maybe there's a deeper thing. Maybe it's not the, the war that you're upset with. Maybe it's yourself that you're upset with. So there's a lot, you know, to unpack um, in that situation. Um, but at the end of the day, if you feel a certain type of way, you've got to just get the help that you need. Um, talk to people like us or talk, or go to a professional or, you know, call the suicide hotline or reach out to a friend that will answer. Um, but, yeah, you know, I thank you for that question. I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you throwing the show back on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, I, I think you've got a very healthy uh, outlook there and, and the right one, because I agree with that. And for those who served over there, it's important to know that, as you said, Benny, you, you did your job. And there's, there's, two, um, there's two aspects to this. One is, is the military who goes over and carries out uh, the orders that the political class gives them. And just as, uh, you know, there, there is two uh, who are pushing forward, there are two that have to 
accept responsibility. And I think the military uh, really did its job and did it well. The political class, we've got a lot of lessons to learn there, and we'll leave those for another time. But yeah. what I would say is, uh, for those who served, you got to also look at uh, when when did you go over? Because there there are sort of different timelines here. And as Benny suggests, if you're one, you know, went over in um, 2001 to 2003 or four, you know, your job was to uh, get rid of the Taliban and get and uh, get rid of Al Qaeda, and and that happened. That occurred. That was done very well. And then at another time, your job might have been to train up the Afghan army, and that was done uh, very well. You know, uh, to the extent that that was able to be done, and they were able to accept responsibility, and many did. And at another time, there was the counterinsurgency where it was building up. Uh, uh, the villages and helping women and children to have more opportunity. And there was a lot of opportunity provided to Afghan women and children that wouldn't have been otherwise. So there was a lot accomplished and it was done by uh, average uh, uh, Marines and soldiers and sailors uh, who were on the ground. And that is something to be extraordinarily proud of. Yeah. No, yeah, and I, I definitely agree with you. And that's you know, it's it's crazy to think about that too. Is like my friend, my friend Scott said it. You know, we we live amongst gods. Um, you know, and I and I mean that you know lightly, but like you know, I because I believe in, in God. But like the things that we've seen ordinary people do is extraordinary. You know, like the the things that we've seen our veterans do, the Purple Heart recipients and the you know the the navy crosses and all the different awards that pe the things that people have done in selfless acts um are amazing things um and and that's why we need to just remember them and continue to fight for them daily um and just be better you know every day um well you you took the words right out of my mouth because i have seen too many Americans who are uh, who want to give up on the country and, and think, you know, we got a lot of problems. Yeah, we got a lot of problems. But there are so many people who are serving and sacrificing so much and working hard to make things better. And there are heroes all over the place. You know, we're having this conversation in um, just before Christmas of 2021. And earlier this week, uh, the president conferred the Medal of Honor to three uh, service members, one of whom was uh, Sergeant First Class Alan Cash, who, uh, you know, was, was in an explosion in Iraq and uh, caught on fire. And although he was on fire, he went back again and again and again into this burning Bradley vehicle to pull out seven uh, of his comrades, six Americans wow. and an interpreter. And, um, you know, he was awarded the Silver Star. And, and as more details came out over the years, that was upgraded to the Medal of Honor. And uh, and so we have these three. I would encourage everybody who's, who's watching this to find those stories online because they are extraordinary tales of heroism. But for every Medal of Honor that has been conferred, you've got dozens and dozens of distinguished crosses and silver stars and, as you said, purple hearts and bronze stars. And people who have uh, just hundreds and even thousands of service members who have shown extraordinary acts of heroism. And, yeah. um, and we've got to remember that. And so as long as we have people who are making that 
kind of effort, we can't give up. We civilians can't give up. And uh, I really believe America's best days are ahead. Uh, we've got our challenges, but we can do it. Amen. All right. Well, thanks, Tom, for coming out. I appreciate you coming on here. Um, everybody, please go follow them. They're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, if you can donate, donate. Um, if you need help, he said that you know he, you, could, you could reach out for help on the website as well. Um, so thanks again uh, so much, Tom, for coming out to talk to us. Uh, I hope you have a good rest of the day, and I hope you enjoy the weekend, all right? My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Have a good one.